Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, a very hungover but very happy Craig Fowler after Scotland have officially qualified for Euro 2024 in Germany. We're going, lads. We're fucking going. Yes! And to help me look back on the entire campaign as a whole in this episode, it is Tony Anderson. Hello. And Craig Anderson. And, and the good thing is, it's not even the entire campaign. We're, we're only talking about 75% of the campaign because we're, we're, we're in Easy Street, like, got hundreds of games in the bag. We could we could have, like, qualified twice this time round. I know, it's incredible. It's, to do it, the, the group that we had to do it with two games to spare, and really should have been three games to spare, uh, if um, a little bit of misfortune didn't befall us, then uh, I think that might very well have happened on on uh, last Thursday evening, but we had to wait a few more days and it was eventually confirmed. I say eventually, it was still, like I say, still got two games to spare, but it was confirmed with Spain defeating Norway 1-0 away for home. That was it, it was over. You guys will be doing a Patreon where you talk about that game, so we won't focus on that too much. I, I'm not going to take part in it because I was at a gig, so my... my oh, I Who would you go and see? For the rest of my life, uh, Alex Leahy, uh, Aussie indie uh, singer, kind of songwriter, uh, kind of indie rock. Of course. So, so when Scotland's passage to Germany was confirmed, I was just in like the middle of a gig, constantly looking at my phone. It's like the last gig, the last couple of songs were playing. I'm sure you weren't the only one. No, there was actually. Oh God, I, I did ask his name, and I've, I've kind of blanked on it. I, I want to say Alan, but I'm not too sure. So I was at the bar, and that was I was getting a drink, and that was when Spain scored, and then there was the lengthy VR check. But when I got the notification through on my phone. I was like suddenly like pumped my fist 
And then the guy beside me was like, oh, I didn't even recognise you until you did that. And then he opened up his, his jacket that he was wearing and he had a tennis t-shirt on underneath. <laughs> Only recognises you when you celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, it's, it's a new one. It's a new one. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I do, maybe, maybe I do lots of celebrations all the time. I'm, I'm unaware of this character trait of me. I'm not sure. <laughs> it was an absolute fucking doddle, man. <laughs> And, uh, and like further, I know you, you were there was a lot of pessimism, Scottish pessimism about it, but this team's just built differently. It is able to do things in whatever scenario it's put in. It's a bit of a Swiss Army knife of a team in terms of performances, in terms of, of what we have. I mean, I, I listened to what you were talking about with Ewan, and I agreed that the only thing we're really lacking is an X-Factor player. Mm. But so that obviously, but when you've got the ability to play in lots of different ways, lots of different shapes, and you can do smash and grab, you can play with the ball or without the ball, so it just doesn't really need it as much because you know, you've still got you've got so much evolution and you've got so much ways of 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 still winning games even without that. But if you add that, then maybe you win everything. Good. <laughs> I think I think the other thing to add is like I, I was fortunate enough to be on the podcast we did after the last time we qualified, which we did more or less on the whistle. We maybe did it about half an hour after that game finished. The feeling could not be further away this time. Like that was like absolute euphoria. Like the it was a proper uh-huh. like you for I don't think I'll forget a single minute of like that experience. Whereas like last night it was very much like we've. You know, it, it felt like one of these long time coming situations. Like, like if your team are like twelve points clear in the title race, um, which I, I'm sure none. Mm. Well, I was going to say none of us have experienced. You, you, you would have heart, when Hearts won the championship the last time, Craig. I think Tony it wasn't that far off it when Hibs won it either. But it's just that way. It makes that we. It doesn't make it any less of an achievement. Um, it's a bigger achievement, in fact. But it makes it a bit less like the the memorable part isn't doesn't become the ceiling. The the success it becomes like the steps along the way and I think we'll talk obviously about a couple of those but the big moments weren't at the end of the campaign they were they were kind of slap bang in the middle but um yeah especially when you also there's not as big a surprise this time yeah. this isn't the end when 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 we got the one against Serbia you were probably thinking we're happy to be there kind of kind of chatter but I'd say the expectations are miles higher this time so. the achievement is miles better but yeah, so I'm just so now that it's not as euphoric a feeling because I'm like, right, what's the next bit? We've got loads to go because I'd say draw depending. You're you're looking on getting you're looking now a good setup at this. What what would be achievement is like getting to the quarterfinals. I think that would yeah. be a good tournament. Obviously, that is like draw dependent. Obviously, but if we don't get out of the groups, it's a I would call it a failure. Yeah, that's, I, I, I think that's fair to say. We we should be we should be looking. I mean, the way it's structured now, you should be. You're very unlucky if you win a game and don't get through in this format in the group stage. There are not many teams who that will apply to. So, just win a game, and and we should be winning one of three games, no matter who's in the group. That's <laughs> have a, have a goal scorer. Have a top scorer at uh, in international tournaments has got more than one goal. That'd be good um, for for Scotland as well. Right. Let's go all the way back to March when. The campaign was kicking off, home to Cyprus. Is it fair to say, in retrospect, Craig, that this was our worst performance? 
Um, you can make an argument probably it's either this or the Norway one. Um, but yeah, this was a bit insipid. I think I think it was partly like there was a, like none of the other games had an expectation about them. I would say even Georgia, like there was just it was just different. But it's almost like it was like the expectation of go out and entertain us, and that's not what this team's about. So especially getting the early goal, it felt like it was quite flat after that. Like. We definitely didn't play well, and um, I guess to an extent, when you're one 0 up against a team that isn't going to hurt you that much, that can kind of happen. Because I think there was a little bit of a sense of like we did have an eye on the the following game, which was coming. We we're playing Spain in the midweek, but it, it definitely wasn't a good performance. And I could I could sense um, it was very one very much one of those knife edge matches. Because obviously, yeah, we'd we'd been successful in the. Nations League campaign eventually, but that June with the the Ukraine and Ireland games had still was still kind of not that far in the distant memory at that point. Like it was still, I think it was still hanging over some people, and I think all it would have taken was a Cyprus goal there, and there might have been a switch towards some negativity. But in re- in retrospect, like like looking back on the game, looking back on the highlights, Cyprus were hurting us. But I remember at the time just being a wee bit worried every time we broke up the park because you're just thinking. All it takes is someone to fall over or something, and um, and that's and it. Again. Well, <laughs> uh, if if it was going to happen, that was uh, that was. I mean, well, it might not be the best moment for it to happen, given it could cost us the chance of winning the group. But it's probably not a, not in the in the scheme of things, not the biggest because just getting that win ended up being what mattered. You do you you, you kind of forget that uh, like when the group even starts, and I think Scotland are a good case of. What the, not just because we got through the last time through the Nations League, but I think you can really see what the Nations League brings in terms of how you're able to evolve your team and build momentum that you can't really do before it because there's such long breaks between campaigns, but you're still playing these competitive games. You're still trying to do something. Like, you know, the, the change to the back four for those Nations League games and getting them built up so much momentum going into this qualifying campaign because everyone saw I, I remember there being a lot of confidence that came off the back of that because you're like right this team is fully evolved and you also got the chance to to bring Ryan Porteous in it who, who mm. went on to have a really really good uh, campaign after that that you probably just wouldn't be able to do it just doesn't have the same vibe when it's friendlies even if you do change things because you just know there's not that one of the teams isn't tried as much everyone's playing B players or reserve players trying to figure things out so the Nations League, we've been able to use that to our advantage. And Steve Clark's managed to gain so much from it. Uh, and I think it's a big reason why we've become so good. Because this team might have took even longer to get to the stage where you're beating Spain. If, if for example, you know you're good enough to do that without the, without the Nations League campaign. One thing we saw in that first game against Georgia, which then kind of leads us in nicely to the next game, was the rise of Scott McTominay. He came off the bench in that match and scored twice. It's hard to believe he was on the bench. It's like that feels yeah. so long ago. They now never be on that. And I mean, Scott McTominay's just played through the entire team, centre half, up front, basically, and, and midfield. It's such a strange evolution that you just didn't see coming. I, I feel, I feel, probably he was always being kept in reserve a wee bit in, in that that game because I think they knew they needed the energy from him against Spain. But yeah, it was 
it was weird to think um, Ryan Jack started that game, and, and I've I've always been a big fan of Ryan Jack for Scotland. I think he's uh, his days are numbered. I think he'll be doing well to end up in the. In the yeah, squad, I was just going to, to say honest, that, that shows you how quickly things move in football because yeah. you just can't imagine Ryan Jack starting a game for Scotland now, and this only took place was that seven months ago, March. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But apart from that, because I was looking through the team team lines last night, um, and apart from that, there was only actually four SPFL players appeared in this, which I think was a, quite a shift from what's happened before, uh, Jack being one of them. And then I think Callum McGregor obviously played every game, and then Suter, I think, had a couple of appearances, um, I think both off the bench. And then, no, sorry, Suter just had one appearance off the bench, and so did Lauren Shankland. And I think that's been a wee shift as well. But yeah, Jack... I think we'll be actually, to be honest, lucky to, to make it to um, Germany, which is a shame because he, he was probably at his peak as a Scotland player and missed the last one through injury. Yeah. Um, so there may be a sense of sentiment that might take him there, but as a player, he's, he's clearly dropped off a bit. But as you say, McTominay came in and I think I'm right in saying he'd only scored once for Scotland before that, which was obviously a massive one against Israel. But he's been a funny player, McTominay. Like, at... I've always felt like you just see him and you go like, there's a player there, but it took him so long for us to work out what he what he was. I think he had some good performances and some bad performances at centre half, but we knew that was kind of, I think that was important for him and for us, to be honest, because it let us build confidence with a guy that could pass the ball and stuff at the back, which has kind of helped us to, to integrate actual centre halves who can pass the ball um, <laughs> and who can actually, like, for example, deal with the uh, High diagonals and stuff properly because of trained to do it. Yeah, he, than... he bought us time. Aye, he yeah. bought us time as a player. But I also gave him the chance to pick up. I think he, I think he's on a ludicrous amount of Scotland caps, like for a guy who only made his debut five years ago. Because that's the thing with this squad. Like so many of them were um, either given their debut by Clark or, or, or in that very brief Alex McLeish era. Like very few have actually hung around from from the striking campaign. Um, I think it, I think it's just Robertson, Tierney, Armstrong, McGinn, and one other that are still um, still playing. Who played Kenny McLean? Who still, who played in that that period? Which is quite a small number of players. But yeah, McTominay is for me undoubtedly now a, a top level midfielder, and I think he shows that and it spells with his club. But I think there's stigma with him at Man United because he's like one of their home homegrown players and one of their local lads and stuff that I think that can be overlooked a wee bit and I think there are a lot of people who like don't appreciate the value of that but all the intangibles in football Scott McTominay has every single one of them like the the determination the kind of mentality everything about that he's like he's to me like potentially the most important player in this team at this point. Um, maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but I just think like everything about him it is very clear that he has been trained in a youth academy where players are trained to win. Now, that's also the youth academy where lots of really shit players come from as well, so it's not the only thing, but there's just something about him that... Um, him and Ben Thornley. Exactly, exactly. But... Um, yeah, those those just like I think he I think he's still vastly <laughs> underrated. <Chadwick>. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I, I do think he's vastly underrated for what he brings and you've saw that so much in this campaign. Like he's everyone's talking about Haaland for this campaign and he has scored the same number of goals in, in this group. So that in its own, like <laughs> And two of them two of them were against Spain in the, the, the victory. We took it all. 
we brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Yeah, the, the, the best thing about this team, just what you mentioned in there that Scott McTominay is now possibly the most important player, as I feel that there's like an evolution of that nearly every single, every two or three international breaks. I mean, there was a period where you were thinking this team wouldn't be able to function without Billy Gilmore, for example. That yeah. was a, that, and that was widely thought. And I mean, it wasn't unfair. We thought it was like a linchpin type player that we just had to have um, to make us work. And then you also had the, the John McGinn, that, that he's like was the only player that you could rely on to score regularly. And now it's, now it's went on to someone else. And that just goes back into the, not just the evolution of the team in terms of its shape and stuff, it's the evolution of all these players. And, and the fact that there's a lot of trust, Clark's built up trust, so there's time and there's space for players to, to move into different roles and for players to come in. It looks like a really easy squad to join now. I know Elliot Anderson, for some reason, didn't like it. For whatever whatever he said, too, too scared by it. Yeah, people were having a laugh, possibly. <laughs> but but it, it just seems like really easy. People could just come in and and like I, I'll use Ryan Porches again as, as the example. Just come in and just hit the ground running, and 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 there's no problem. It feels like he's been there for ages. And Angus Gunn just feels like they've been there for ages, and they never have any bother. It's um, so it's really really interesting and. The discovery of those players as, as, as Clark's went, he's been able to get guys to come in and it feels like they want to come in rather than him having to go for them. And you're, you're hearing rumours about other players who want to who want to join in and, and fair play, but I do like the way that he's dealt with the whole Elliot Anderson thing because he's just been like, ah, well, if he wants to come, he'll just have to call me. I'm not calling him again. And that's absolutely fine. He knows he knows where the number is, but yeah, it's just, it's great. Every time, every time there's a new international break, there's a new more important player, most important player in the squad. And that, and and I mean that was a that was a, a theme of um, Clark's time at Kelly as well, where you you felt like oh yeah this is a guy we're relying on, and then all of a sudden it wasn't because it was someone else, and that's important because opponents will start picking out a key man, and and they'll be picked out, and then if someone else is stepping up, that's why because you talked about McGinn, I don't think McGinn's been really particularly good in this campaign, but he still got he still got two goals, he still. They contributed and, and and there's no question of him of him being dropped or anything like that. But compared to, for example, the Nations League, his, his best performance is probably in the the Spain game as well. Yeah, where where everyone, I mean, everyone played well in that game. Everyone's played well in most games, to be honest. There's not really been a lot of um, poor performances, which makes this hard. But it's not been the John McGinn show the way it had been, and um, and now you're a bit like I I think the last Euros are around about that time. Had John McGinn been out? You'd have been like, right, that's us fucked. And now it's like, I would very much rather we had John McGinn, but um, there are other options. 
Is there much more to say about the Spain game other than just saying it was the undoubtedly the, the best performance that we put in in this qualification campaign? And you can say, I was going to say the best moment. I don't know if it is the best moment because we get onto a very strong contender. It's not. Coming not long after. But yeah, it was certainly in terms of, it was the match that, that showed us and gave us real belief that this could be a qualification campaign that was different from literally every single other one we've suffered through since the mid-90s. <clears throat> We were the we were the shits that night. Like, see how how many times teams have turned up at Hamden and just like fucking annoyed us, like being diving all over the place and really physical and being in the referee's face and just doing all of that stuff. We did every single bit of that, and that's exactly what you need in a game like that. And I think it showed that like, there's so much character in the team, but then you can't just get away with that. You need quality as well. And I think from I mean, the two finishes from McTominay, like, um, the, I mean, the, the first one goes through the goalkeeper, but it's really about taking the second one is superb. And the contributions from, from the two left-backs that we managed to get in the team, both fantastic in their different ways. And I think Robertson has been excellent in this campaign. Um, I think he's, he's had some criticism, I think unfairly so most of the time, but I think he's been been one of the key players. The bit, my favourite moments of the campaign were in this game, and it's exactly what Craig's talking about there, like being the shits, the, ruffle, the ruffling of the head and stuff, like ruffling their hair and taking ages over throw-ins and rolling about the deck, very what people would normally think of as quite Spanish traits, that we absolutely got under their skin and they lost it and they were screaming at the ref and it was, and what makes it better is you didn't just beat them, you, you sent them to the stratosphere. They, their blood pressure must have been going through the roof. And then you get the whole Rodri thing after. And it was just like, getting taking a team of that stature to the point that they nearly lose their fucking minds is, is incredible for, for a Scottish team to do. And we can jump forward, but we, we did that again the other night. Like we, we, did, we, we had them in the same place, I think, where they were on the verge of losing it. And, and we unfortunately, things didn't go our way that time. But... That is that's something that's going to be really important because we're going to come up against teams that are better than us. Like we're going to have to beat teams that are better than us if we want to get anywhere, and we, we've we've shown that we can do it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like uh, we'll, we could mention it when we get to the, the Spain game later on. I mean, in terms of the one that we lost, but to me that was still, as as I said the other day when I was done the podcast with you, and it, it's given me a lot of belief in this team that when we do go to Germany next summer, that if regardless of, like, say we do make it out of the groups and we get, like, a big team in, in the next round or even in the quarterfinals, I'm going to go in with a, a degree of confidence that, yeah, we probably we probably aren't going to win it, but I've got faith in this team that they could certainly pull off an upset. And uh, I think we've really, that, that was what that kind of second game showed, but also, yeah, particularly the first one, how comfortable we were in that second half was just wild at Hamden. It was just, you'd, you expected an onslaught and they did have a lot of the ball and a lot of the territory, but we just looked like, we just never looked like we were really going to concede. And it was it was a fervent atmosphere as well. It was so loud. It was so intimidating. Like I know people talk about stadiums around the world, but in terms of like how loud it was and just how relentless it was that night, it was like one of those like they would have yeah they would have come out of that with their heads spinning definitely. And and yeah, it it, it kind of shows what we can be. I think. Right. Let's move on to the game in June. Away in Oslo, I remember thinking with about five minutes to go in this one, we're 1-0 down to an Erling Haaland penalty. And I was like, hmm, this isn't, this isn't a great result. It's kind of to be expected. And no, we had already dropped points against Georgia. So we'd beaten Spain, so we did have still a bit of an advantage to hold. But I was like, hmm, 
I'm not watching this performance. I'm not sure that we're definitely going to beat Norway at Hamden. And then two goals in the last three minutes from Lyndon Dykes and Kenny McLean. And all of a sudden, everything's rosy again. We've got nine points at a possible nine and just absolutely flying. But yeah, Craig, what a moment. Yeah, what, what I love about that. So I was, um, I think I'd said this on the, I think I did the podcast after this game. If I didn't, I'll say it again. We had uh, my, my, uh, and was were round um, none of them big into football, so I was just kind of retired upstairs to watch the game myself, basically. And um, it was roasting, if you remember. So I had the windows open, and obviously we scored the equaliser, and I went daft. And then I barely sat back down, and then we scored again, and I went even dafter. And to the point I went downstairs, and they were like, "Was that you?" And I was like, "Yes, it was me." And it was like, I could, like they were sitting out in the garden, and they could hear me. And I was thinking about the people that war because i was watching it on the telly but you know when you watch it on a stream you're like 30 seconds behind and i can actually imagine people just thinking that the second cheer they heard was just for the equalizer um and, and still you know it, it wasn't spoiled in any way because they were so close together i think it was like 70 75 seconds apart or something the two goals and the dykes one has a great degree of um a fortune about it now it's still patience in uh, a stressful situation which is really good because we, we knocked it about the back we waited for a wee opening McGinn found that opening his probing pass wasn't actually the best but Dykes takes advantage as you know from Lyndon Dykes and that in itself he he toiled for 70, 70, 85 minutes not really had a sniff in that game hadn't played that well but wasn't really getting much support and he was still the one that was alert to that he was still the one that um, you know, their centre-half pulled up with cramp and he was there to poke the ball. Maybe growing up in, a, in Queensland might have helped that in terms of the heat. And then he, um, he obviously pokes it home. But then the second goal is just so good. It's one of the best goals you'll see in that situation. So satisfying. You have to take context into account when you're, you're judging the quality of a goal. But to have so many pieces of really composed football in the build-up, you know, so it, it gets shifted out to McTominay. He's swinging that to the back post and you can hear... Mikey Stewart on the commentary saying, you know, McGinn's in and you can see what's happening and Dykes does such a good job to pin the centre-half. McGinn doesn't lash at it, he gets the ball into Dykes. The mm. layoff is superb and then you can see Kenny McLean's wee skip. He's, he's setting himself so that he can step onto that ball and he knows it's in the moment he leaves his right foot and his right foot at that. And for me, Kenny McLean is, epitomises this team I, I really do not understand people who sit and watch football, who, who are football fans, who know football, and who when they see a player like Kenny McLean or whatever coming, I don't mean in this game, because I think it was still a weird substitution, like there is no doubt yeah, it was a weird substitution. I may say I would like to have heard a transcript of you when he came on. <laughs> but but and, and see when people are like, why is he in the squad? It's like because he is the coolest man in the stadium every single time. He was the one that smashed in the fifth penalty against Israel. He was the one that smashed in the fifth penalty against Serbia, he does that. He is a cool player. He's a big character and he's a good player. Like he's maybe not as good as Callum McGregor. He's maybe not as good as John McGinn, Scott McTominay, but he, he's he got like a hundred of nearly a hundred top flight games in England under his belt. He is not like some numpty. Like, Don't care. And um, hopefully he, he stays fit because again, there's another guy who missed the last one and deserves this one. Um, but Craig, just think of how good we would have been if Ryan Gold been picked him instead of him. I mean... Yeah, exactly. I mean that—that's the, the the binary choice that we had as well. But um... <laughs> I think this was a this was a really big game 
for Clark, and it sort of like took because uh, he kind of got up everyone in, in, in Scotland, and it was, um, in, and I think that was the the moment where there was no one, no one else who could talk back to Clark. Now it was like there was no more naysayers; it, it, it disappeared. Uh, all the people that anyone had any negative thoughts about it, and then basically got everyone on the side. And um, like you're saying, you, you did get a bit of luck with Dykes, but we're not going to win five games on the trot without getting a rub of the green. Like, you know, there's going to, like, a quarter, it, it has to happen. But as I said, it was the, that moment when you're like, fucking, we can win when we're shit. And then that, that, then which, is, which is such a big feeling in building your confidence and, and making, and then, because you just, you can just, there's no scenario now where you're, you think you're out. You know, the fans don't think they're out. And that'll transfer to the players when we're in Germany and, and just whenever, because we're never going to feel that we're whatever out of it. I'm just like, like you're talking about. We're talking about the McLean sub, but 65 minutes, Kieran Tierney's knackered and goes off. We've just gone one now down, and he brings Liam Cooper on, and everyone's like, "What on earth is going on?" But every single player that was on that park, like you heard them in the interview, said like he was like driving them on. He was, I was at McGinn that said he was like Braveheart. He was like mm-hmm. just saying one chance, we need one chance, and giving it all of that. And then the other, it's it's we're chasing a goal 12 minutes to go and it's Gilmore, Armstrong and McLean that come on and it's like, we're not brought a forward on, we're not doing anything like that and and yet it worked and I've long held the belief that Steve Clark, as well as a very good manager, is also a very lucky one but that the, the amount of times he is lucky stops being lucky. Mm. It's like, mm. there must be, I don't, know, I don't know what it is but if he could he could bottle it and sell it, I think he could make a a fortune, but um, it's that judgment of uh, being able that, like you're saying, Craig, is he, he obviously has a really deep understanding of personalities. It's not as simple as just just goals, it's not as simple as just talent. He really, really seems to get that and he knows who he has faith in in specific situations because he doesn't always go for McLean, you know, like it's not, he, don't, he doesn't always do those subs. That's not like it's a, a trait, it's, it's specific in a game. and so like you're saying about Cooper, he doesn't have to be Cooper. Cooper doesn't play all the time. He uses him relatively sparingly. Um, but in this scenario, right, straight in, and it's obviously because he knows that idea of what he can give, he'll get everyone else going, and he's reliable. And I think Clark, he, he understands that he gets it, what you talk about. The, the, 20, the 20th player you pick doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. So you're not picking, it's not about ability when you get to 21, 22. It is about, right, what can they do? What's the intangibles that they can do possibly off the part? Or if I need to put them on, what can they do? Because do we need another, just another guy who's, because the other players aren't going to be that much better. Ryan Gold, probably maybe it's it's quite weak personally. I don't know. I have no idea, but it doesn't matter because Gold wouldn't be getting in the team anyway. So he's obviously thinking about other people and, and, and it works. And he's got that real understanding that he wants to make that club feel, and, and, that, and that means personalities and repetition of people who go all the time really, really matters. Also, I just wanted to kind of talk about as well before we move on to the next game. Lyndon Dykes, this was his only goal of the campaign, but Craig, it kind of feels like it's been quite a, a really productive campaign from Dykes overall, just in terms of his performances. He's only got the one goal, but he's the Norway game was definitely his worst performance of the lot and yet he'd keep up with a, a goal and an assist. And he set I mean he set up um he set up other goals. He set up the McTominay there was a really lovely knockdown against Cyprus. Mm. I think he was involved in at least a couple more in the campaign. I think there's an argument that he has maybe if not put himself ahead of Adams in the pecking order, has at least 
gone neck and neck with him. And I think when the campaign started, Shea Adams started the, the Cyprus game because Dykes was another one who came on. Adams went off injured, I think, in that game because Adams ended up missing Spain. And Adams hasn't started another game since then. Adams is a better all-round player in terms of running the channels, in terms of like he's holed up. But Dykes is scores more goals and, and is just like a chaotic player. And his attitude is like sky high. I think he's been the most important addition to the squad of any player. I think he just brought something that, that we didn't have. It was just like, I think we, I've talked about before, we had this like loser mentality. And I think you brought him in and, he, and he's just the polar opposite of that. He's just like, I, I suspect he's quite stupid, like quite thick. <laughs> um, I, mean, I, I apologise to him if that's not true, but I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean I think he's like happy-go-lucky, like just like big, nothing bothers him. He doesn't think about things. Is what I guess that's what I mean. He doesn't think about things very much. He just does stuff. It's very easy to be yeah. happy if you don't really think about yeah, it. Really. Yeah, that's what I mean. He just, he just <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to be say he's stupid. He might not be stupid, um, <laughs> but he's. Um, you know what I mean? He's he's not he's not a man who who dwells on his thoughts for long. Is my ex- experience of London Dykes, and I, I I think he is the favourite player of of very many of our supporters, and and he's certainly one of mine as well. Um, and and yeah, that this was this was a campaign for him, absolutely. Well, three days after our win in Norway, the heavens opened up over these. Over Nice? Oh, that's not a word. Overhead. Over Nice. It should be. It should be. It's a good word. <laughs> Over Nice, Hamden Park, as we were getting set to play Georgia. The referee then decided to start the game. I couldn't believe the game was going ahead. I couldn't believe it was still allowed. To... That's a fucking joke. I understand why Georgia were angry. <laughs> and it was so weird as well that the ref played until we scored. And then he's like, all oh, right, okay, now there might be an issue. I, w- I mean, I've, I would say I was at that game as well. And I walked to Hamden that night. And I, I got there a wee bit early because I was going straight from work because I just picked up something to eat and I always leave a bit extra time in case I'm, um, you know, held up or whatever. So I, I'd ended up a wee bit early. I think I was in the stadium about seven o'clock, which is 45 minutes before kickoff. I didn't really get wet walking to the game. It was, I think it was just coming on as I was going in. It was astonishing how quickly all that rain fell because I think folk were saying, oh, how did the pitch get like that? It was, it was literally in the space of like 40 minutes that that amount of rain fell. And it was it was one of the weirdest nights I think I've ever weirdest games I've ever been at. Um, but yeah, it was. Because it's um, mental, like never... a week's worth of rain fell in an hour. Ah, yeah, it, and and like localized over like that tiny area of Hampton. <laughs> like, it was. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it was. Um, it shouldn't have started. Absolutely shouldn't have started. But I could kind of understand why, because I think from the point where the referee was out doing the warm up to the point where the game kicked off, like I don't think we quite understood quite how much extra rain there had been. The only time I realised it was going to be a problem was when they were taking, you know, they put that plastic sheet like the tarpaulin in the centre circle, and the boys came on to 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 drag it off, and I was like the amount of water that came off it. I was like, oh. This this doesn't seem good, and uh, and then the the players came out and started kicking the balls about pre match, and it was I've never seen anything like it. And then and then we saw that for the first like six minutes of the game. Th- this game is just when you know everything's coming up for you because it just it shouldn't be going ahead. The the game starts, you get a goal, and then they stop it, so that makes it much more difficult for them to to sort of call it off. You don't want to be playing fucking paisley the next day. You know that you lose a lot in that scenario. Um, they 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 going through so the 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 sort of gods the football gods sort of shining on us even though it could have caused it to be called off but you know what I mean it just like everything just works our way now <laughs> and it's uh, 
yeah, it just it seems okay. And I could tell why they were, and they got themselves really pissed off and angry, so they couldn't perform properly after it. So it meant that we played a a sort of a weakened mentality of a of a Georgia team who felt really really hard done by, and that worked in our favour. They'd all, they'd already dropped quite a few or they dropped some points and I think they already have this playoff in the bag where I think they're going to be favourites in that section of the playoffs probably despite not really a good campaign in the group but I think they are they may have started to think you know what we cannot be fucked with this and just like just, <laughs> just get, this end of the season it was like the middle of June it was uh-huh. like so far past the end of the season these guys might have not played a club game for like a month they're just like can we just get home and, and go, go to Spain yeah go to Spain not, not for a, a football match just just on holiday it came through in that because they they were they were abysmal that was one of the easiest afternoon or evenings of football when when the players came back out yeah I, the, 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 it was proper heads gone stuff for the, for the georgians they're just, just absolutely raging that the match was going ahead like trying to trying their hardest to get it called off and basically almost boycotting the rest of the game and eventually made to come back out and uh, to be fair what effort by Everybody involved try to get as much water off the pitch as possible. It meant that we could finish that game and grab another three points. Then on to September. This was... So Cyprus away, it's obviously, like on paper, it's the second easiest game you're going to get in the group, with the exception of Cyprus at home. And this one was just about... It was such a professional job. It was just so... It was a piece of piss, basically. We scored three goals. I told you! I told you it was going to be a piece of this! I think for ages! Fucking worried we're going to fucking Cyprus! Yeah! <laughs> I think even in like the previous campaigns, we'd gone, like the last two, we'd gone away to, or maybe even just the last one anyway, we'd gone away to like the Pharaohs and, and struggled and only got a victory with a, a late Dykes goal. I think in the Moldova game, we were a bit more comfortable, but they did get a penalty with about 10 to go, which had they scored it, would have made it maybe a bit of a, a nervy encounter. So we did still have these kind of performances against nations that like Craig said at the top I like when Cyprus came to Hamden we're supposed to go and then defeat but it did say it goes to what you said Tony that this team is just built differently than the Scotland teams of the past because it was instead of it being a nervy night where we needed a late goal or we were hanging on or we were playing with any kind of you know anxiety at all it was just not go out get the job done and one of the goals of booking fights 15 minutes into the game. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, we, we had them booked before half time, which um, be, <laughs> before before half time in the fifth match of an eight game campaign, we are uh, we are we are sorted for the tournament and uh, correctly so at that point. Um, but, but to the point where the, the, um, the second half was actually legitimately boring, I don't think I could tell you anything that happened in the second half of that game. Like I watched it, but we just we just packed it in quite, quite rightly. And one player got on the score sheet, we've mentioned him briefly already, but I think it'd be good to go in depth on him a little bit more. Ryan Porteous got the second goal. What a campaign you had, Tony. Did you envision, even as a big Ryan Porteous fan like myself, did you envision him being this good this quickly in his Scotland career? I, I didn't think he would be playing every game. I didn't think that was going to, what would happen. But now I feel like even if everyone's fit, Porteous would probably start the games at the moment. But I... I ne- I've never had any doubt about Ryan Portis' ability, ever. I, 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 he made mistakes, and I think when he left Hibs, it was absolutely the right time. I even think he was he was, he was, was starting to stunt him. He was actually starting to play poorly, I think, because he was still around at Hibs. He needed to be around better players and challenging himself. I think it was it would become... 
he, he was sort of like coming too easy for him, but that was making him play shit. And you were like, that just makes you look silly, son. Because <laughs> yeah, like, but now he's um, he's one of those players that you always saw that he looked like he had so many qualities when you watched him. It was just about whether he'd ever put it all together. He had every attribute you could possibly need to be a a, a really good modern day centre half. And the, the Ukraine game was probably the best thing for him to come into, like a proper backs to the wall job where he has to fully concentrate and you know he's not going to have any of that, any of the nonsense that can come with Ryan Poch. So that was the best game to drop him into, I think, uh, when it was just going to be fully concentrating on defending. But now he brings so much more balance because he's another player who can, because um, he's so good on the ball. And that means that you've got the right, in the back three, the play, guys who play wide on there, it's imperative in terms of you want to go forward. Because it's a big problem in Scottish football that lots of teams who play with a back three are actually shit to watch because they don't have enough quality in the three in the back to to to, to really do it to carry it off properly in terms of an, in an offensive sense. It's not just him; it's like the, the entire back line is now guys that can play. Because I mean, mm. Jack Jack Hendry, the Nations League campaign, he was he was probably the standout player. I think he was Scotland's best player in twenty twenty two. This year he's been fine. He missed a couple of games. He didn't play in the the first two. I think he was injured. He's been pretty good in the other ones, but. Having suddenly going from from what we were talking about with like you know Declan Gallagher no no harm to him or well, some harm to him in the middle of the <laughs> um, in the middle of that three and having these kind of guys suddenly you're you're packing your defence with guys who are confident super confident mm. and and both of them are very unScottish players. So we move to the final game that's happened so far. Like I said earlier, there's still two games to go. We've still got Georgia away. Let's see if we can finally get a victory in Georgia in a qualification campaign. <laughs> no, it's still be nice though to do it. And it would also yeah. be nice to beat Norway at home and just kind of get up there and make Haaland look pish again. I don't think he'll play. They're, they've uh, Manchester City have got Liverpool um, like three days after that game. Ah, right, or okay. Or like the week. I think they, they, they've got a friendly and they play us in a completely meaningless game. I do not think... Cannot wait. I do not think we will see Erling Haaland at Hamden. That's my Norway are just not a serious country now when it comes to football, are they? Like, that's just pathetic. No. That, well, but that, that, like, they were so meek in that, like, that game where we beat them. I, I mean, Tony, we talked talk about last night as well, but it was just like, they were, they're too nice. They're too nice. Like, they don't have... We're, I would say we are, like, Hamden is generally, like, friendly enough in terms of like nobody's getting coming and getting battered or whatever but it's a hostile atmosphere for opposing teams there was not a single thing hostile about the Ulival when we went there and I think that's also true for Spain last night and I think there is an there is an element to that where it's um it maybe it's reflective of the country I'm sure it's a lovely place to be as a result of, a result of well, it's that it's the happiest but, place in the world apparently um but but from, from a football point of view it didn't it didn't seem to do them much good Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I've already done a full podcast after the Spade game, so I'll just basically go uh, kind of each of you for your, for your thoughts on the... The one, sorry, the 2-0 defeat away from and it's a shame it is 2-0 because had it only been 1-0 we still would have had it in our our own hands to, to top the group and it seems just very unlikely it's going to happen now unless Spain like put in some absolutely shite result which you just can't imagine is going to happen against the fish they've got left to play I, I did read that Alex Gogic's dad scored um, when Spain beat Cyprus in 1998 so you never know history may repeat Spain still won that game, though, did they not? No, 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 it was 3-2 to Cyprus. <laughs> oh, right, you said, I thought you said Spain beat sorry, Cyprus. I have, I might, sorry, 3-2 to Cyprus, that game was. Oh, there um, you go. See, you never know. That game, after a very shit, like, see, they, they obviously had that chance inside. Like, I've not listened to the podcast that you did the other night yet because I forgot my headphones this morning, but um, the two of you, um, the, the first minute, I was like, oh, shit, like, because that chance was, like, glaring. And then they were knocking the ball about so confidently in 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, this is not looking good for us. And I don't know if Clark changed something or if we just kind of got a grip of it. I thought I thought we were as good in that game as we were in, in many other games. Yeah, we yeah, we, we weren't as good on the ball. We, we should have been better on the ball. If we'd been better on the ball, we'd have won the game. But defensively, it was such a solid performance. It was... We've not really mentioned him much, but he's, he's started, I think, every single game in this campaign. And he's been an absolute star and he is there is no doubt now in my head that he's going to be a very very elite player Aaron Hickey was incredible that night mm-hmm. um, obviously he, he makes a blunder at the end but who cares about that like um, like, like I, know, I know we talked about it but he, he was so good um, defensively but talking to technical players there's another one but yeah the, the shape was so good everything about it we did not we got under the skin again and that's a blueprint for every away performance against a good team and it's why I wasn't that worried about the England game because the England game, despite it being England and despite our players being up for it, I don't think they went up for it. It was a friendly and the intensity is just not there. The intensity was there against Spain. The concentration was there. You just get that extra 10% in a competitive game. So it also, England are better than Spain, sadly. But um, if we played Spain again in Germany, I would I would fancy us to know how to beat them. It doesn't mean we, we would beat them. We've got their number, and we we had them, and do, yeah. it was just frustrating. I, I think ultimately, correctly, the goal was disallowed, but obviously that that the stuff around that. Even after that, I thought we were going to hang on, and then the goal kind of it, it didn't really come from a sustained period of pressure or anything. But obviously, you keep riding your luck, then then maybe they will score. We still had chances, and I think I think we probably were were value for something out of that game. To be honest, um, it, it was a good performance. Yeah, I thought we. I, I thought that was the the game plan was executed really well. Everything that we wanted to do was done. I, I thought it's the interesting bit was 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 the lineup. He went for he was clearly thinking about off the ball, then then on the ball with dropping McTominay back into midfield and, and so he could bring in Ryan Christie, uh, which meant that we lost Gilmore and not having Adams and and having Dykes, uh, Mac Dykes maybe presses better. I don't know. So the idea, because obviously we basically took out the two players that are probably the best at, at receiving and protecting the ball in, in Gilmore and Adams, but they're the decisions he makes. And I, I wasn't sure about that at the start, especially the first 10 minutes. But what I did like is we, we sort of, we were able to ride out the pressure at the start. I know they missed that chance, but they really were on top of us for a good 15-minute spell. We couldn't get out our half. 
and they don't seem to worry. The, the team, they don't see don't see them start panicking. And eventually they start to sort of be able to move out and, and put their foot on the ball. But yeah, I thought we played really well. I was really excited. I'm going back to Hickey, just I was worried when Robertson went off simply because I was Porteous and Hickey together on that right-hand side. It's, it looks so good because there's, there's quality and, and, and defensively it's great because it works really well because Hickey's very aware of his surroundings as a as a fullback. He's he he knows when to tuck in. He he isn't. He's a very rounded player, but it works really well because he's good at tucking in and it allows Porteous to do more what he naturally wants to do, which is be aggressive. He wants to go out and make the tackle. He wants to step out and do that. So if he does that, that's fine because Hickey's always going to slot in. And I thought that right hand side looked really really strong. I think. That they, they they took off their left winger at half time and and the left back yeah because they they, could, they couldn't get a sniff down that side and then but then they, when we had to change it but it's just so great that Hickey just like goes on the other side and just makes no difference to him twenty one another one twenty one years old another one that comes down the the Lyndon Dykes route Craig nothing else is going on in there apart from football <laughs> so like you just like I bet I bet he was and he was over that mistake. Right away, and I think that, and I imagine he, he'll barely be a guy who thinks about it because there's no point. You just the good thing to do is you just react to it and, and you get on, and that's what the best players do. You don't see them stewing over it. I always say, I was saying this to Fowler, I don't know if it's a thing about Hibs, but see when a player makes a mistake, I'm always just panicked that they're going to be sh- like they'll start slicing clearances, they'll do everything wrong. I was never worried about that with, with Hickey, and now, like you're saying, you've got. The left-hand side defence, Robertson and Tierney, and then the right-hand side in Porteous and Hickey, you're always going to be able to move up the pitch, and they're all clever and good. But I, I thought the um, I thought we were pretty good in that Spain game for what we were going to do in that type of an away game. And I think we were unfortunate with the decision. Um, it's a direct free kick. I don't know if he's going to save it anyway, but I understand that that's still, if he's been touched, then they can't guarantee it. So I, I look at it more as a shame, because I think he would have just scored it regardless. Uh, McTominay and again his confidence just going up and whacking that from that angle it's a completely deliberate thing so yeah I, rather than it being like making you worry yeah despite losing I got more confident like what Fowler said there I got more confident about the about the future and things that we're going to have to do Right guys we've talked about all the games is there anything else to add any other individuals that either of you want to focus on before we finish up who have we not talked about um, Angus Gunn? But correctly mm. so, to be honest, he's uh, he's he's actually had next to fuck all to do in the entire campaign. <laughs> but he's a he's a he's a what a he's a calm presence. Like at, at the back, I don't think you could point to a single goal we conceded. Um, I mean, we have only conceded three, I think, and I don't think any of them were his his fault. I was going to say he saved a penalty. He didn't save a pe- save a penalty. He convinced their forward to blast it ninety yards over the bar. Um, a couple of like all right saves in the Spain game, I guess, at home. But yeah, I mean, that's been a good find um, because without Gordon, if we'd been relying on one of the other Chuckle brothers that are on the bench, <laughs> route, there might have been a different story with this campaign because teams would, like, you're like, they're going to go, oh, Liam Kelly of Motherwell, oh, let's watch some tape of him. All right, okay, we are going to shoot. And shoot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the fact that we've not had like that to worry about, um, you think, who have we not mentioned that's, that's featured in it? Um, Nath- By the way, Craig, how, talking about footballers, though, Angus Gunn's really, I didn't realise, he's really good with the ball at his feet. Very really good, good. Very good with his feet. Very good with his feet. Switching play, he gets it absolutely spot on. So again, when you're adding to that thing, the part of the team, that's like you've just got a whole, a whole defence 
and goalkeeper are all very, very comfortable on the ball. Billy Gilmore, uh, he came in against Georgia and he came on in, in Norway to a very good performance. He's there. He's he's shown what he can do. He's got his mojo back a bit. Will be a big player going forward. Um, guys like Hanley started a couple of games. Scott McKenna played well in, in Spain. Christie yeah. had a really good game against Spain at home. Um, less so away, but did fine. I thought he was quite good away from home. He was the only person that would get us up the park in that game. And he, and he, and he works as, like, watching him, he really, really do... He works his absolute socks off. He never stops. And just, I always find that weird because he, cause he may be not as good as I always thought he was, but when he played in Scotland, you thought he would have like the highest quality player maybe in the in the country in terms of ability. So you think that obviously the, the, the press is just like such a, a big extra and he works so hard, so hard. And I think Stuart Armstrong's the only other player we haven't really mentioned. He had a couple of decent contributions. He, he, he probably... He was at least involved in the Kenny McLean winner, which probably puts a few ghosts to, to rest for him um, the, in terms of qualification campaigns, etc. If he, if he hadn't already. But a player who was a big player for us, whose probably importance is waning, but he's a, a big character as well. And all around, it's a really likeable bunch. There's nobody in that squad where you're like, oh, he's a bit oh, like, uh, like uh, Jacob Brown. Didn't, didn't feature, but just worth mentioning. He does exist. Vibes manager. Yeah, somehow got a move to Luton yeah. uh, in the and Premier he start, League. He started. I, I found that bizarre. He started. Yeah, he played right wing back. I, I, I found it absolutely bizarre that they get promoted with all that money, and the first thing they do is, do you want to get the guy who's on the bench for Stoke? Just that doesn't make any sense on any level. And I don't understand what you were, why you would do it. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, there will be plenty of chances to talk about this, but I think there's not there's not going to be many players that are going to. Also, Dominic Hayam, he came on in a game well done to him. He played a minute in Norway. But uh, there's not going to be that many are going to force their way into this, in my opinion. Like, we've got a pretty stable squad. There might be one or two that appear. I think Ben Doak's the one that obviously people are, are asking a lot about. I think if he plays a bit for Liverpool, we will get in because I think he's just clearly very, very good and he'll give us a wee X factor. The way he brought, he brought Turnbull, Gilmore, and Patterson in the last time. And Max Johnston's come into the squad for the, the France game. I, I don't think we'll see much of him again for a while because I think he's he's not there yet, but it's a good chance for him nonetheless. But you never know. Um, we, we seem to be losing fullbacks at a rate. Like every, if you are a fullback for Scotland, like we are missing, for, for, like, for example, four left-backs. Probably our first four or three, at least three of our four left-backs that could be in the squad in Robertson, Tierney, Hickey if he shifted over, and Josh Doig isn't even available. Uh, at once, so you never know with the fullback situation. We we just have a an array of ones that we can call up anyway, and that's a good sign. But yeah, so I think I think we're I I am quietly I'm not even quietly I'm loudly confident about this tournament coming up. Great stuff, and I think that'll do us. Thank you very much, Tony. Cheers. Thank you very much, Craig. Thank you, and thank you to everybody for listening. We've done it. We're going to Germany. Yes. Too yes. easy. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.